Yo, yo, this is Jason Goff from the Full Go Podcast. Me and the crew, we like to entertain you. And we're going to do more of that this football season because the Bears should be more intriguing. There should be more fascination. Justin Fields, is this the make or break year? Is DJ Moore the piece that's going to put them over the top? You can catch us on Sundays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays or when we have an emergency podcast when we have breaking news. Make sure you follow the Full Go on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Ringer NFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash Ringer NFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Extra Point Taken, Shiel Kapadia, joined by Ben Solak in person. The man is sitting right across from me at Radio Row at the Super Bowl in Vegas. Benny Souls, how are we doing? Yeah, the first ever in-person Extra Point Taken, we realized. A lot of in-person Philly specials when the Eagles were here last year. No in-person Extra Point Taken. Here we are. The energy is very different. There's, you know, all the people are doing interviews all over the place. I'm looking at you. Again, that's weird, but it'd be nice, you know? I feel like it's going to be a lot more easy for you to catch me now when I'm just on my computer scrolling through social oh, no, media. Oh, can, no, I can always. I, I'm like batting, you know, a thousand. The uh, amount of times that you accuse me of it and I'm actually like prepping my next take and like pulling articles up. Uh, nope, every time. I don't believe that at all. We've also got, I mean, Christopher Sutton, Arjuna Ramgopal, all the names you hear on the, we're all sitting at a table together. Amazing. All right. So we're not doing just a, just a Super Bowl only show. We're doing our regular early week show. We've each, we've each got the three takes. They could be Super Bowl related. They don't have to be Super Bowl related. And we will go around the league looking at what's happening. All right, Benjamin, I am up first. My first take. I think the commanders could have done better than Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah. Benjamin. I mean, <laughs> I don't like, I don't know if Kings, Cliff Kingsbury just has the best like PR machine in the world working for him or, or what, but some of like the explanations I've heard for why he's a great candidate, why he's going to be awesome for the commanders, I think we need a little bit of a reality check. Okay, so let's have that reality check here. Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona, the end was very, very, very bad. You Real rough. I mean, you couldn't get through a possession without him or him and Kyler Murray yelling at each other. Uh, I, I remember that season. The Cardinals ranked 27th in DVOA. This was just 2022. Ben, he didn't, this wasn't like, you know, 2018 and he had a hiatus and he traveled around and spoke to offensive coaches and read Bill Walsh's books and now he's ready to just come and take the league by storm. Like this was two years ago. In the one year he had in between, he was at USC as I believe it was a senior offensive analyst. Yeah, yeah. What was the title? Um, Caleb Friend. 
Caleb friend. Yes, that was the official title. Yeah, so this is the thing, this is the connection that everyone's making. Right. Cliff Kingsbury goes to Washington. They draft Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams was a nothing until Kingsbury got his hands on him. You know, you bring that connection to the NFL. Oh my gosh, this is not what happened. I mean, you are the draft expert. I am a, a college football fan by my eyes, by my estimation. Caleb Williams was objectively better in 2022 than 2023. Is that accurate? It's very accurate. Would there so, be anyone who would disagree with that? Nope, in not at all. <laughs> no one. Okay. So the one year Kingsbury was working, and it doesn't mean that Kingsbury was responsible for uh, Caleb Williams not playing well, but he certainly didn't enhance or improve or, or do anything that made you think, wow, Caleb Williams really built on his game. So uh, I am just hard pressed to come up with a reason why if you scour the entire earth and look for who is the best offensive coordinator, we have the number two pick in the draft. We need someone who can groom quarterbacks, bring in a system. Uh, you know, it's just good. We have a defensive minded head coach. You're really handing the keys to this person. I'm struggling to find a reason how that person could be Cliff Kingsbury. I'm not telling you he's going to like yeah. stink or they're going to be last and he's going to be like, he could be good. Maybe he did evolve. Maybe he did uh, improve, but I just don't totally see it. All right. Am I, are you with me? Are you not with me? What do you think? I'm very much with you. Uh, the, my shout out to Charles McDonald, who's with Yahoo, is, uh, he's a Falcons fan. And when the report came out that Dan Quinn was, was interested in Cliff Kingsbury and Cliff said no to the Raiders. And then like 10 minutes later, it was like, oh, he's leaning candidate in, in Washington. Uh, Chuck, told, Chuck told me he was like, yes, 100%, because Cliff killed Dan Quinn when they played, right? And so Dan Quinn mm, was, was one coaching. Of those. coaching uh, I think it was the Falcons defense at the time. Uh, it, was, it was back then. It might have been the Cowboys. I can't recall. Um, but he was coaching against the Cardinals, and the Cardinals just they did air raid against cover three, right? Like, it, it, was just, it was just modernity versus tradition, right? It was innovation versus fossilization. Like, it was just... They got dunked on by Cliff. And so Dan Quinn at the, at the press conference when he introduced Cliff was like, his offense, man, real tough to defend, right? It's real challenging. Yeah, Dan, like four years ago, man, when you didn't know what it was, but that's a lot of times coaches have that kind of, uh, they have memories of guys who really dunked on them and that sticks, that hangs. So you tell them like, oh, you know, the, Cliff Kingsbury's offense was so bad down the stretch. And they go, yeah, well, the one time I played him, he was really good and I'm a good defensive coach. So if he got me, he can get everybody else. Like, no, dude, like it's not, it doesn't really work like that. I, you brought up uh, the uh, the Kyler Murray frustrations at the end of the cliff run. I remember the DeAndre Hopkins route charts. You remember these? Yeah. Right? Where it was just be DeAndre Hopkins, 99% of the time left receiver running a vertical route, running a comeback, and running an outbreaking route. And that was it. Like, he he didn't... If the field is 53 and a, and, and a third yards long, he didn't touch yard 10 to yard 53 and a third. Just everything was just within 10 yards of the left sideline. This is DeAndre Hopkins, right? Who, like... They objectively nailed like good trade, good player, good value. Like this was supposed to be the, the cornerstone of the team that's built around. You're bringing an air raid coach. We're going to throw the football and you can't find a dynamic way to use DeAndre Hopkins, right? Like it was just, it, that, that's the memory that sticks in my head of that era. It's just like he was brought in to be creative and they ended up at a place of complete like stagnation. Like they were, they were doing nothing. They were being so basic. And so, yeah, he spends a, a, a minute in USC and now he's here in Washington. I think the Caleb Williams of it all is extremely real. I think that, that, that Caleb is from DC. Caleb is tight with Cliff. Like that was a known thing when Caleb was there at USC. Like I, I, I strongly believe in the, in the, the foretellings on the horizon that Washington is really trying to land Caleb. However, they end up doing that, right? Caleb refuses to go play for the Bears and there's a Kobe trade. Or, you know, they trade up to one, whatever happens. I don't know. Um, to me, like that's, that's how this reads. Because if you were going for offensive innovator, and you interview Chip Kelly, who actually has done that, 
and then Cliff Kingsbury, who's just been around when other people have done it. Like, that doesn't make sense to me at all. But Kingsbury's not going to be a deal breaker about whether Caleb Williams wants to play for Washington or not. Uh, I don't think he's the deal breaker. I don't think. What like, was this one year together like, Ben Solak? I mean, my gosh, yeah. I have now I have a fear of commitment. I need a long time before I'm jumping into this. What did they do? It wasn't even a full year. I mean, a full year they got uh, this tight. Did they know each other beforehand? I don't know. Raiders, uh, uh, Raiders were going to have Cliff, right? And then yeah. they lost Cliff for Luke Getze, the old Bears OC. You know how, you know who knows Luke Getze well? Devontae Adams. Known from a couple years together in Green Bay. This John matters to players, man. It does. Like when a when a key offensive player has a coach that he really likes, Nate Hackett, Aaron Rodgers, that coach ends up places, right? He ends up in buildings, doing a job apparently, somehow bringing some sort of value to the organization, implied or otherwise. Uh, I yeah, I don't I don't know why Cliff and Caleb are super tight. Maybe you know recruiting trail, you know, when Cliff was head coach at Texas Tech and he in touch with Caleb, maybe quarterback camps, whatever. These guys interface all the time, but. When a player likes a coach, man, that coach can float on that for a long time. But and if you're the commanders, like that really should it's like it's one thing if this guy brought out the best in the player or was able to develop like again, that is yeah. not the case here. That's not uh what was happening. So uh I don't know about this commanders out like the commanders offseason is great if you're a commanders fan because you don't have Dan Snyder anymore. I said last week, like the Dan Quinn obviously was not their first, second, or third choice. He might not have been their fourth choice. There was an athletic article that said like they reached out to Bill Belichick the night before, yeah. they, or or they had conversations about Bill Belichick the night before. I still I think Quinn is a fine quote unquote retread candidate. I think he could be good, uh, but I just worry about what they're doing yeah. on the offensive side of the ball and whether it's going to work. Again, I could be wrong, but that's how I feel about it right now. I agree on your on your Quinn assessment. Actually brings me into my first take. All right, give it to which us. Which is that this Commander's Ben Johnson drama looks way worse for the Commanders than it does for Ben Johnson. Uh, so we, we talked about this a little bit. Wait, on, so our first two takes are just kind of crushing the Commanders? Maybe uh, we should chat. But that, yeah. <laughs> I texted you and I said I was doing a Ben Johnson thing. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know it was going to be Ben Johnson. Here's why the Commanders, okay. we should clown the Commanders. But I want to hear it now. I'm There's in. What, Listen. What else is going on. This is going on. The I'm in on it. GM when I wasn't around. I'm in like, on this it. Is it. I'm not complaining. Uh, for those who didn't follow it, right, Ben Johnson lost the NFC Championship game to the Niners on a Sunday. Uh, the ensuing Monday, the commanders were flying out to Detroit per reports to interview Ben Johnson and Aaron Glenn. Johnson's the OC of the Lions. Glenn's the DC of the Lions. I had out to Detroit interview them both. And then, but, uh, report uh, a couple hours later, Ben Johnson has withdrawn his name from consideration of the commander's coaching search. He's informed the commanders he's not going there. I think another team saw an opening at the time. He informed them he wasn't going there. He's staying with the Lions. Like, wow, Ben Johnson's staying again. Year two of Ben Johnson staying. How incredible. And then the details started to come out. The commander's plane was in the air to Detroit when Ben Johnson informed them. They didn't even get the text for Ben Johnson, get the call because they had no signal. They saw it on Twitter on the plane Wi-Fi. It just, oh, Ben Johnson has withdrawn his name. They didn't, know it. Like they, they didn't actually get him withdrawing the name. They just saw it on Twitter. The report came from Adam Schefter. Oh, Ben Johnson's asking price was a big, uh, which was why like the commanders was a big thing for the commanders. And then that report vanished because the commanders realized it made them look poor. Like it's just not good. Like it was just generally a, 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 a mess of leaks about how Ben Johnson got this information to Washington. Meanwhile, Washington was like, all right, fine. Like we're, we're, we're done. We're not going to Detroit. Screw that. Nothing for Aaron Glenn, who apparently we're going down to interview Ben Johnson, and Aaron Glenn, and then the second Ben Johnson withdraws his name, we're turning the plane around. <laughs> what does it tell you? To, what does it say to Aaron Glenn? Like, oh, we're just making it look nice to go talk to you also while you're there. So it sucks for Aaron Glenn. Side note, but still important note. Then Washington circles the wagons. They hired Dan Quinn. 
And then there's just been a, a string of reporting, right? Diana Rossini and Ben Standig of The Athletic have a story uh, uh, today uh, how the commanders landed on Dan Quinn following an outrageous coaching search. And uh, the, the, the presentation is very clear from like, the Washington side of things. Everybody thought Ben Johnson was a lock, but actually Ben Johnson never was a lock. I'm going to re read a quote. Uh, the gleefully ignorant voices were unaware or chose not to care that the consummation assumptions, I think consummate assumptions, came from an echo chamber of gossip rather than factual information. No, I'm pretty sure you guys wanted Ben Johnson. You were flying to Detroit the day that he lost, the day that he became available to be hired. And when he took his name out and you were going, apparently, and if you're another guy, you turned the plane around. Yeah, there are other nuggets in that article that do indicate what you're saying, that they yeah. did yeah, want yeah, they, Ben they, Johnson. So they, no, they, they, but, but I, in that article, right, they're, uh, they're trying to present like, oh, like we liked Ben Johnson, but he was never like our, oh, it was never like a lock. It was never done. No, you guys wanted Ben Johnson, right? Like you can try as hard as you like. That report came out for a long time. You can say, oh, it was echo chambered. Uh, certainly like, you know, like Ian Rappaport had a week before all this, like, oh, it's not a, it's not a lock. I think that's, that's narrative management. I think it's pretty clear that Ben Johnson was their primary target. Now, your primary target said no to you when you waited for the whole coaching search, right? You could have hired people, wildcard weekend, divisional weekend, and you didn't because he was still coaching. You use your primary target, you waited. And when you, when you wait, you run the risk of not getting your guy and missing out on other guys. So that stinks. I understand that. You were in the air on the plane and Ben Johnson told you he didn't want to be your, your coach. That really stinks. That sucks. I understand that. All that is well, good and true. Getting a, getting a head coach in Dan Quinn, having him hire an OC, make a, hire a DC. He's at press conferences. He's announcing the team. He's ready. He's got great direction. And you're still making sure everybody knows that you're not totally beat, agree. You're not beat up about Ben Johnson. You're not no sour apples, no sour grapes about Ben Johnson. Buddy, if you're over it, you're over it, right? You just, you, you, you've been talking bad about your ex for three months. Your ex has moved on, Tiger. Like you got to move forward. Fine, you got to find somebody new. You guys are happy together. Progress, right? It's, this is head coaching searches, man. You can be positive the guy is the best candidate in the world. He is going to revolutionize the team. You hire him, and it stinks, right? Like, this is a, a, a one step above a dice roll, one step above a, a complete and total roulette wheel spin. So you don't, you don't need to be doing this. Doing it is, is, is not getting you like the, the, the narrative that you want. It's just making it, in my opinion, very clear that you feel sour by the fact that Ben Johnson said no to you, and you, you got sour grapes about that. I think it's a little bit of a tough look for a new ownership group. And I'm someone who likes to hold a grudge. I mean, I won't let anything Love go if you wrong me. Yeah, you'll uh, be well, hearing what's about your long, it. What's your longest standing grudge? Yeah, I mean, listen, I probably... Decades. I probably have a library in my head somewhere where we could do... Oh, maybe we will do a whole nother episode uh, on that. But yeah, I respect a grudge. Uh, I like feeling wronged by someone and holding it against them for years. But move on. Why are you... Why are you... this? The, the gut, Quinn has like given a press conference. I know. Like start planning what you're gonna do now. Yeah. So they didn't get they didn't get uh, Mike McDonald was in that same uh, article. Yeah, yeah. It, it sounded like Mike McDonald was their second choice. I mentioned maybe they revisited Belichick internally a little bit. How does Dan Quinn feel? He's like, guys, second fiddle, dude. He's like, I did get to a Super Bowl as a right. head coach. I did run some pretty good defenses. In it Dallas. feels like they asked their friend of the prom after their crush said no. Right. And Dan Quinn's just here being like, I'm happy to be here. We're going to get along. We're going to be good. But like, it's very clear the crush was Ben Johnson and Ben, like Ben Johnson very publicly said no. And you know what else is nuts? This about feels this? like there's a personal anecdote you're trying to share. No, I, I, no. Was, I okay. was two for two on prom days, bro. Don't you worry about a thing. All right. Wow. Uh, okay. The, um, 
No, that's true. Another quote from the piece. Whatever, I mean, it was just last year. No, right. No, another another quote from the piece talking about Ben Johnson's um, uh, text in the air. When, whatever the theory, league sources, whether they cared about Washington's play or not, uh, shared one unified sentiment. The commanders got screwed. Outrageous, simply outrageous, said a league source familiar with the situation. That's not how you conduct business, how you ruin your reputation. Buddy, Josh McDaniels had a contract in front of him with the Indianapolis Colts and then walked away and then became the Raiders head coach three years later. Ruin your reputation? Ben Johnson's going to get a head coaching job next year if he wants it. Ruin your reputation. This is the league. If you get a coach, he's going to get a job. It's so melodramatic. It's very hoity-toity. Like, yes. this is the NFL. We talk to people. These are not the, the finest citizens. Right. These, these are not people this on a moral how you high ground. Ruin your reputation. I mean, calm the freak down. No one's ever changed their mind before. Ben Johnson almost took Jared Goff to a Super Bowl. His reputation's going to be sullied yeah. by objectively mismanaging and in like that was not good by Ben. Reputation will be sullied. What are we doing? So if I wanted to be, uh, you know, like a a hater of the Washington Commanders, like if you're on, like, let's say, a Cowboys message board, an Eagles message board, a Giants message I think, board. I think if you're on a Commanders message board, like Commanders fans that I know objectively hate the team. Oh, and, is that true? Well, they can't Because they Snyder. get all the I'm good thinking, vibes right, from I the have ownership a buddy name who's a huge Commanders fan okay. who's just like, Snyder just ruined his relationship with the team. And so like he was very excited for Ben Johnson and now, now, he's, now he's devastated. But in general, like they have a combative relationship, I would say, with the franchise. So here's the, here's the picture I could paint. Yeah. They embarked on this coaching search in this GM search, and they hired Bob Myers, former NBA exec, and ended up hiring as GM a guy who went to the same high school and the same college as Bob Myers and knew Bob Myers in the Bay Area right. in Adam Peters. And then for the coaching search, you just went over the whole thing. I don't need to go over it uh, again. And then they hired Cliff Kingsbury as their OC. Now, guess what? You have the number two overall pick. Yeah, quarterback right. None of it matters, right? That's the position. And That's again, the I think Dan Quinn could be good. I yeah. think Dan Quinn could be a very good head coach here in his second stop. I'm just saying, if you were to end, people seem to really like Adam Peters. Maybe he'll be great. Although I do get annoyed, I will say, this time of year, where we're just gassing up every GM and exec and coach. Like, just... There is... They're not all going to be good. There is no way from the outside to evaluate a GMing candidate. There just isn't, right? The quality of a, a GM alone, his impact on the, the his draft classes and his free agent signings is already like very tenuous. Now you want like the second or third guy in the chain and how he impacts it, right? Who like, Howie Roseman, Howie Roseman's the greatest GM ever. He almost like signed Allen Robinson in the year that because they didn't get Robinson, they right. had signed, traded for AJ Brown. GMing is so tenuous. It's, it, it's so much flips on so few decisions that like, Unless you are meeting a guy, interviewing a guy, understanding his philosophy, how is he going to go about stuff, how is he going to manage his staff, if you're just on the outside being like, oh, well, the Niners are built well, so Adam Peters is good. No, it's, 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 it's a coin flip belief. There are no GM trees for a reason. Ron Wolf, but the Ted Thompson, besides that, no Commanders GM trees. fans, we did not plan this. this. This is part of the show. When you don't share your takes, we've been doing it for two years. We haven't had one quite like this. Our team gets crushed for the first time. But listen. They're the only news. You yeah, want to talk Shane Bowen? And you again. You want to talk Ben McAdoo? Hey, don't steal my uh, right. next day. And again, just to be clear, Dan Quinn, Caleb Williams, or Drake May, you could have a beautiful uh, setup here for the next several years. We're just looking at what we know at this point in time. All right, let's take a break. Come back with our second takes. <laughs> 
Football fans, FanDuel has the perfect way for everyone to get in on the Super Bowl 58 action with a no-sweat, same-game parlay. But when you bet on Super Bowl 58 on FanDuel, one game can mean a lot of wins. America's number one sportsbook has all your favorite bets, like the money line and the spread, plus all sorts of prop bets. Right now, I'm leaning Chiefs with the spread, and I like some of the unders with the 49ers passing game. But listen, you can do whatever you want. That means when you combine all your bets for a chance at a bigger payday, you'll get bonus bets back if your SGP doesn't win. So start building your own or just bet a popular SGP already made for you in America's number one sportsbook. Just visit FanDuel.com slash RingerNFL if you don't already have an account. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. Minimum three-leg parlay required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets, which expire seven days after receipt. Max refund $5 unless otherwise specified. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. I was thinking about it. I think my my longest held grudge is probably uh, 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 I didn't get valedictorian of my, my high school class and senior because in ninth grade algebra, Miss Troy gave me a B. And that's probably my longest smile until graduate freshman high school. She, she, she was retiring the next Why year. Why aren't you saying this on the pod? This I is... am on the pod. Oh, okay. I thought you, you, were... you tossed a break and then I gave a B and now oh, I'm talking. Okay. Right, keep... We don't have to be All silent right, for the entire in. ad, okay. do we? All right. I thought I was going to come back. No. I, you, I usually come back. All right. So continue. <laughs> yes. All right. So we've been live the whole time. Keep this in. All right, please. Man, in-person right. podcasting shield Well, is normally bemused. I like to stand also. I'm sitting. Yeah. That's throwing I, know, we should, we, I usually right. stand. Do you want to stand for this? No, I don't. A doctor once told me that I'm turning into a chair. When I was, so since then, I just stand. Oh, wow. That's a bar. All right. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Mrs. Troy, I was retiring the next year and she was kind of like chilling. And I did not, I was not super well behaved in ninth grade mm. algebra. I got, I got like a half off on a test because I, I didn't write my name on the front. I wrote it on the back. Uh, I, uh, I would refuse to show my work because I was like, I know how to do fractions, dude. And then she would take points off. So I got a B. That's probably my longest held grudge. If I saw Troy on the streets, I'd be like, dude. You have nothing. She, what are you talking about? What? Show some accountability. You didn't follow the instructions. She gave you the grade you deserve. Show and that some cost you. Sorry. Not your right. fault. Never uh, mind. I'm not sharing any more of my grudges. Mrs. Troy, and thank you for listening. All right. Next take. And this is a more positive note here. I kind of like the Arthur move, the Smith move for the Steelers. Oh my. This is off type. You're supposed to be the one having this take. I was crushing Arthur Smith for a whole year. I waffle on this. So I'm okay. interested to hear what you're saying. Right. So some ways I like it, some ways I don't. I kind of like it. I'm not saying home run. I think I kind of like it. So we remember last year with Arthur Smith. Disaster. Drafted skill position players, paid offensive linemen, put his faith in Desmond Ritter, and the offense stunk. They couldn't even win the NFC South. That is bad. But you know me, I like to zoom out. I'm a big sample guy. So Arthur Smith has been calling offenses for the last five years, Ben. And in three of those seasons, 
he has coordinated a top eight offense. Yeah. Like, I don't know that people realize how hard that is to do. This, I mean, people who listen to this pod have to know. They know. I, okay. Right, I've, I've been seeing Arthur Smith's praises yeah. now for as long as I I have. mean, you can do that when you have a Patrick Mahomes. You can do that when you have Kyle Shanahan. Like, those are the teams that are consistently doing this. He had Ryan Tannehill, and then he had Marcus Mariota and Taylor Heineke. I mean, that's pretty good. A top eight offense three times. I agree. With those as your quarterback. So if I'm looking at the Steelers, quarterback situation, uncertain. Well, I'm sure we'll you know talk a little bit more about that. I have concerns. I have concerns about how the Falcons looked last year. I have concerns about the Steelers quarterback situation. But they've got some offensive linemen. They've got running backs. They've got wide receivers. They've got a tight end. Like the cupboard is not bare there. And so if I'm the Steelers and I'm Mike Tomlin, I'm saying, who can I bring in to be a more with less? There you go. Uh, everybody, you know, do whatever you take your drink. drinking game or whatever. One you of do. my buddies wants to make a drinking game for extra point taken. He was telling me about it the other it week. Should it should already be done. Be Sounds so amazing. Okay. Just be hammered men driving yeah. on the, on, after an hour of listening to the pod. <laughs> I'll, I, that will be the one episode I re listen to so I can participate. None, none of the others. All right. So I, I think he's a, has a history as being a more with less coach. And I think, you know, the head coaching thing didn't work out, but he was a good coordinator for Tennessee. And then we talked about this before. There seems to be a little bit more pressure on the Steelers to not just be nine and eight, to not just sneak in. Like yeah. you actually want to do something. You want to build something here. Uh, Art Rooney made some comments uh, to that in that respect earlier this offseason. So they still have a lot to do. They still got to figure out quarterback. I know you threw out Kirk Cousins months ago. Ooh. There's that. Mm. There's Justin Fields whatever. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback, but I kind uh, I'm looking at the candidates they could have hired. And I feel like Arthur Smith makes a lot of sense for Pittsburgh. Yeah. Smith makes more quarterbacks viable than I think some other offensive coordinators that, that they talked to, right? Like they talked to Cliff. I don't think Cliff makes a lot of quarterbacks viable. That would have been just such a bad fit. Yeah. It feels like. Yeah. Now the fit is what interests me, right? Because I would describe the Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver room as willing to be willing to behave in a certain way so as to receive more targets or as to protest the amount of targets they are receiving and the mm, quality of those targets. Good point. We got Deontay Johnson, who's like, you know, there's, there's a fumble and he's just loafing and walking around and not looking at the play. He's not blocking. We got George Pickens, who's not blocking for Jalen Warren and they're not finishing routes. And then they get to the end zone and they throw their hands up in frustration and they've been nowhere. Why did nobody throw the ball to me? Like Pickens and Deontay both spent a lot of time this season being very visibly and vocally frustrated about the nature of the offense and the quality of the quarterbacking. The Arthur Smith offense in Atlanta was not renowned for getting the ball to its best pass catchers, right? <laughs> to but, put it lightly, yes. Yes. Well, I wanted to put it that way because the fantasy community... <laughs> oh, you drink. Take a drink. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably all around here. You better and, watch what I, you and say. I, and I've, I've looked some of them in the eyes. Okay. And in my head, I've been like, you were unfair, Arthur Smith. <laughs> Uh, the fantasy community would have you believe that like Bijan touched the ball nine times. Bijan was like sixth in the league in total touches this year, right? Backs wise, like look at those guys involved, but receivers wise, it's a lot of like, it's a low pass rate team and it's a high shot play team. And so like the primary receiver just doesn't get the, the volume that typical primary receivers do. So I can see a world in which we're in week five and George Pickens has had more games with zero receptions than he's had with more than four receptions. And so the, the, it's tricky because like when you go to, to consider the contrapositive, like, oh, should the Steelers have hired an offensive coordinator with the frustrations of George Pickens and Deontay Johnson in mind? Should they have hired a guy that just to make them happy? The answer is probably no. Like, I, that, that's not how you want to be running your search. But it is interesting to me that 
with Pickens being, I think, like such a nice emerging young talent that they have, with Deontay being like a second contract guy who they really like, and with having all those issues they had getting them the ball last year, they brought in a guy who, if you have a criticism of his offense, is he doesn't get the ball to his wide receivers enough. Now, again, big sample. Tennessee, A.J. Brown, they got that young man the football, right? Like this, they had far less of an issue. And so what you're banking on is you're banking on Tomlin, A, being able to manage Pickens and Deontay, which I think is a good bank. I think that's a good bet. And B, you're betting on Smith as the offensive coordinator and having to do less personnel management and team management and CEO stuff, putting him back in the offensive lab and saying, okay, one of the things that worked for you in Tennessee that got you the Atlanta job but didn't work for you in Atlanta and made you lose the job was you couldn't play where your bread was buttered. You couldn't feed the beast. You couldn't get the ball to your top receivers. You need to address that. You need to get back to that. And I think if Smith can, I really like the way Smith calls offense. And that's why I waffle on it. It's so much hinges here on Tomlin, Pickens and Deontay, Smith, and how that triumvirate kind of interfaces with one another. And yeah, as you were saying that, and the quarterback, I mean, if they are like, it might not be Arthur Smith's fault that the wide receivers are not getting the ball enough. It might be right. his fault, but uh, it might not be his fault. So we have to see what they're going to do at quarterback. So maybe George, maybe it'll be good for George Pickens. Maybe he'll turn into some version um, of A.J. Brown with the Titans. But I, I just think with the candidates available, and the thing with Tomlin, like I know there's this argument that no, no, Tomlin wants to play a certain way. Like there were Ben Roth, there were Steelers offenses with Roethlisberger where he was throwing the football like 600 times in a season oh, if you go back. It was horrible. It was, it was, it was the worst offenses. Those no, late this was 2010s? before then. Oh, I, think, about the, okay. I think it was like 2014 ones. or something. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I think they were good. I assumed you were talking about, right, the, the pop no, not shoot at the offense. End. No, no, not the worst that, thing no, one could ever We watch. don't speak of that offense anymore. So uh, I'm curious to see what the Steelers, I think they're sort of a fun under the radar what are they going to do? Wow, big 2023 summer shield energy. Steelers, big under the radar team. Uh, I think, it, was I right about, wait, did, did the Steelers make the playoffs this year? <laughs> yes, they did. Oh, they did. Okay, so I was right. There you go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, we watched Mason Rudolph play a playoff game. We, yeah, against we, Buffalo. It was going to be snowy and then it correct. was. They, they, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so thank I you. I know with the football so plays. Thank you for calling out one of my correct takes from yeah. the summer of last Dude, season. Dude, we could have taken the Steelers to be actually taken team of the year and still been right about the playoffs. We chose the Packers. We're still right about the playoffs, but the vibes uh, tremendously totally better different. with Green Bay. Totally different. Huge save. All right, that was my second take. What do you got? What's your second take? Uh, the Super Bowl MVP. We're transitioning to Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, Bowl my next now. one's going to be on the yeah. Super Bowl. Good job. I mean, so we're not in sync on Absolutely. everything. Absolutely. No, yeah. no, we're getting back in the pocket. The Super Bowl MVP will be the winning running back. That's what I'm predicting. Now, there has not been... I'll take that action. Yeah. There has not <laughs> been a running back MVP in the Super Bowl since 1998. It was Terrell Davis, all right? A young Ben Solak remembers it well. I was like 10 months old. Uh, you had Emmett Smith in 95. Like, they, we haven't really seen one in the 2000s. I'll tell you why I like this. I think both teams are going to be very incentivized to run the football over the course of the game. Uh, for the Chiefs, you want to shorten this game, right? You want to take the air out of this game. You've been a methodical offense. You've been an inch down the field sort of an offense. You don't want to be constantly giving Brock and the 49ers extra possessions to potentially, you know, hit... Four plays, 75 yards, boom, catch and run, boom, points on you, points on you. You don't want to be in a position, the Chiefs, where you, where you have to run, play from behind, right? You, you want to keep this thing in neutral or, or be ahead. That's where you've been better this year. Uh, on the 49ers side of things, you do not want to get into third and long against Spags. You do not want to get into clear pass against the Spagnola defense. That's where they're much better. That's where the exotic pressure packages are going to come. That's where Brock's going to be able to, I think, get moved off his spot and get flustered and, 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 and deal with pressure a little bit, which... In this postseason, Brock's been a little bit keyed up in the pocket. He's been a little bit uh, uncomfortable and a little bit antsy. And, like, it's big games for a young player. That, that's going to happen. Uh, so I think both teams are incentivized to run the football. I also think both run defenses are bad, right? We've been covering this over the course of, of, of the entire season at this point, uh, and especially in the playoffs. 
Niners 27th in rush defense, 20, uh, 27th by success rate, 28th by EPA. Chiefs 22nd by success rate, 24th by EPA, right? These are weak run defense. These, both these teams are much better in the past. So I think you're going to try to get the run established, right? You can settle the offense in, get a, a comfortable drive, get the Super Bowl nerves out, and then shorten the game. And both defenses have a reason to be really worried about the opposing quarterback and the opposing passing game kind of just exploding. And so from a game script perspective, you want to shorten this thing, you want to run the ball. So I think it's a lot of Isaiah Pacheco volume, a lot of Christian McCaffrey volume. I think it's a lot of Isaiah Pacheco success. I think it's a lot of Christian McCaffrey success. All I need now are a couple touchdowns, right? All I need now is McCaffrey two touchdown game. We're talking about 18 carries, 108 yards and two scores. That's an MVP caliber performance if those are the points. What? Absolutely. You think if Isaiah Pacheco runs for 108 yards in the Chiefs win. I said McCaffrey. Win. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Go. Right, yeah. So McCaffrey, right? Which, <laughs> There's a lot of stuff going on. It's very distracting. Yeah. yeah. So uh, McCaffrey goes for 110 yards, goes for two scores. He's obviously going to catch some passes. He's been an integral part of their offense evolving. All you need is if, if McCaffrey's the big offensive performer, right? And it's just like a meh Brock game, which I think is very reasonable to see. Like I can see sacks. I can see picks going up against bags. He's the, the best offensive performer. He's going to be, uh, the, you know, the kind of the, the, your keystone there. Uh, on the other side of the ball, Pacheco is a little bit harder to get to, right? Because you're going to just have Patrick Mahomes on the field. You're going to have Travis Kelsey on the field. It's potential like, you know, there's like Kelsey retirement narratives going around. Mahomes, obviously, like last year was the MVP and the Super Bowl MVP. Travis like, Kelsey retirement narratives going yeah. around? Kelsey I thought he him. said he wants to keep playing. But he put those to bed. You know a thing that a player often says before they retire? is like, oh, I got one more is year Is that in me. true? Yeah, I yeah. don't know. Uh, right. Regardless, Pacheco's a little bit harder to get to. I think it would have to be more like game-winning touchdown run, game-sealing behavior. But I, again, I, I think if you if you ask me like what one player in this game that no one's expecting to go thermonuclear could, uh, to me it's Isaiah Pacheco. Pacheco's playing so well down the stretch. He really has molded into one of the best just pure between the tackles runner of the football that we've got in the league. So I'm very high on Pacheco. I, I can see him having a big game. So I'm, I'm betting on running backs, baby, for Super Bowl MVP. Give me the stat line where you realistically feel like Isaiah Pacheco could win MVP. All right, so it is Chiefs win 22-17. Isaiah Pacheco has 20 carries. 110. Two scores. He scores both touchdowns. I don't think that gets it done. Who's going to do Patrick Mahomes is going to. Legereus Sneed? No, Patrick Mahomes will still win it in that scenario. Mahomes goes 21 for 28 for 184 yards, no scores, no picks. This is not not sexy enough. Got to be sexier, Shield. Make it sexier. McCaffrey, I can easily get to. I think you're right. I think, I mean, I'm not going to say if they win, he's going to win it. Purdy Mm -hmm. could win it. Debo could win it. I mean, they they have uh, Kittle. Like, they have a lot of guys who get... Bosa, by the way, is another guy who could potentially... Defensive win. players is impossible to predict. Uh, I know. It's like it's a Brandon Graham thing, I'm saying right? could. Could, yeah. 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 Um, so, I can get there with McCaffrey pretty easily. Mm-hmm. I really have a hard time getting there with... It would almost have to be like the... Even that scenario you laid out, like, I don't know. I would probably still be... I don't vote, but I would still be voting for Mahomes. So, who, like... Uh, who do you like? So who's more likely for you? Mahomes for sure. But like you brought up Bosa. You brought up like, if I said Pacheco or Rasheed Rice, who's more likely to get it? Pacheco or Rasheed Rice. Well, I don't like taking any of the Chiefs receivers because if they're going off, Mahomes is going off. Okay. So I think that's a bad bet. Okay. So you'd say Pacheco? Over Rasheed Rice. I guess so. Reluctantly. Yeah. Uh, Pacheco or Brandon Ayuk? Brandon Ayuk. Pacheco or George Kittle? Yeah, I mean, like I don't <laughs> burn your money on fire. <laughs> so the, right, the reason I'm asking this is because Pacheco is sixth in okay. MVP odds. Right. He's third among all the Chiefs, right? Mahomes and Purdy are the, the favorites. And then it's Christian McCaffrey at plus 440, which like he's much closer to the favorites than everybody else is. Then it's Kelsey, 
Debo Samuel and Isaiah Pacheco at plus 3,500. Brandon Ayuk is plus 5,000. Rasheed Rice plus 6,000. George Kittle is plus 7,000. Okay. Your boy Nick Bosa is plus 10,000, right? Like, uh, not market, my boy. Markets wise. You just said <laughs> it's going to be Nick Bosa. My next take yeah. my, is kind of about Nick Bosa. <laughs> Uh, you're, uh, uh, <laughs> Isaiah Pacheco is sportsbook wise a lot more likely to win the award than those guys are and it's because the rushing volume especially in the low red zone equals scores and scores are going to be the thing that, that I think more is, is the thing that typically decides the MVP I would say if you think the Chiefs are going to win just take Mahomes MVP odds I know people say yeah. that every year well, I think that's definitely true this on year. FanDuel Chiefs to win money line is plus 110 Patrick Mahomes to an MVP is plus 140 I'm begging no 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 mathematically you, if bet. you think, oh, Chiefs win, then take plus 110 Chiefs win. Do not take plus 140 Mahomes MVP. That implies that like in 92% of the world's where the Chiefs win, Mahomes wins MVP. Isn't that true? No. It's not it 92%? Not. No, absolutely not. There's other players on the field. I you? understand. He's, he's going for He's the best quarterback we've seen. Like if they win, he's going to win MVP. Okay, I'm pulling All up. right, I understand. Now, I'm not being dense here. I understand there's a like a yeah. mathematical reason why that would not be wise to do. Yes. But in my head, it's wise to do. Cooper Cup in 22, won MVP, right? Game-winning touchdown. Julian Edelman in 2019, uh, won MVP. Uh, Von Miller in 2016. Right, Malcolm the, Smith Edelman's in 2014. No, but these Holmes are all bad because these guys I'm played with the Patrick Mahomes. Edelman is a good one. Edelman, that's why I'm giving you credit for Edelman. Okay, but I'm just saying when when players make key plays in the game, they become then more likely to win MVP than the quarterback who objectively did good things for four quarters but didn't have like the big moment. Okay, but you just had last week on here a good take about how the 49ers defense is stinking up the joint. Yes. Yeah, so what are the odds Patrick Mahomes isn't going to have a good game? Okay, firstly, the take was all about run defense. Like, it was 100% <laughs> about run defense, which is Isaiah Pacheco. <laughs> Secondly, I gave the team about right. run defense, and you were like, well, right. Ben, DVOA, but just for opponent, they're right. actually good. So you didn't even think it was a good no. take then. You only think it's a good take now because they're trying to make a Mahomes point. All right, if Isaiah Pacheco wins MVP next year when we do this, I will wear an Isaiah Pacheco jersey backwards, and I will give you an education lesson about crisscross from my youth. Okay. Why backwards? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Nick, thank you. Oh, is that from the crisscross yeah, thing? Okay, everybody whatever. else knows what I'm like. Okay, so that was your second thing. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back and Ben will tell us about his uh, second least favorite teacher. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game, no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice cold reward because you are a fighter and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodelo.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All 
right, we're back on extra point. This is all right. Yeah, now I'm having fun. My homeroom right. teacher when I was a senior was rough. She was mad every time I showed up late. That was not good. Again, <laughs> you're showing up late. <laughs> what is she supposed it's to do? Senior year, like teachers, a don't worry. Including the teachers in the Solak family. <laughs> I yeah, I know do I'm not your try favorite to NFL podcast teacher. Family. I mean, it sounds exactly. That's why I'm so confused. Mr. Thornton, excellent high school teacher. Um, my calc teacher was great. I don't remember his name, but he was a man. Uh, oh, good that's times. That's nice. All right. He really made an impact <laughs> on you. All right. All right. Third takes. I think the matchup, keeping. Do, you, do we know Andy Reid's middle name? Walter. Andrew Walter. Andrew. Walter Reed up at night is right tackle Jawan Taylor against Nick Bosa. Okay. Nick Bosa lines up on both sides, but he's going to get Jawan Taylor quite a bit. And I think like one of the first things Andy Reid had to do with this game plan is say, Nick Bosa is not wrecking this game. How are we making sure Nick Bosa does not wreck this game? Now you probably have additional ideas. The normal ones would be a little misdirection. You run at him, screens, play action, move the pocket, uh, all those things. Jawan Taylor, remember, was the big free agent signing for the Chiefs last offseason. He's got 24 penalties in 20 games. I thought he struggled in that uh, AFC Championship game against the Baltimore Ravens. This is a scary matchup if you're the Chiefs. Now, having said that, I think if you come up with a way to neutralize Nick Bosa in this game, the Chiefs are going to win this game and they're going to be in a great spot. Because so like, if you look at the rest of this 49ers pass rush on paper, I remember looking at it like, oh my God, Chase Young, Javon Hargrave, Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw, Nick Bosa. This group has underperformed in the playoffs so far. 49ers have hit the quarterback 11 times. Nine of those are Nick Bosa. The rest of the team has hit the quarterback two times in two games. Javon Hargrave, zero sacks, zero quarterback hits in two playoff games. Chase Young, disappointment that trade. He's got no sacks or quarterback hits, has not been good against the run. You saw how the Lions took advantage of him in the run game in the NFC Championship. So the Niners really need one of these other guys to step up because I believe that Andy Reid, Patrick, they're, gonna, they're not going to let Bosa just come in and wreck this game and wreck their, they're going to have a, a bunch of tools in there. I always get this wrong. Tools in their toolbox. Tools in the toolbox. Something in their pocket. Tools in the tool chest. What are you okay. talking about? The, I don't know. Is there something in, in the, the pocket? Yeah, you like that one. Yeah. I ask you this every time and I can never remember. Yeah, it. tools in the All toolbox. Right. Tools in the toolbox. Tricks in the bag to neutralize Nick. You even saw it in the AFC Championship where they come out and they're getting rid of the ball and they're horizontal. I mean, they, yeah. they know how to do this. This is not the first time they've game-planned against this. So Niners really need one of these other pass rushers to step up. I think Eric Armstead is a, is a guy to watch. He was injured. I thought he played well in the AFC Championship game on film. But that matchup, Jawan Taylor, Nick Bosa, in my opinion, is the one one way or the other, we'll decide this football game. There yeah. you go. I've been thinking about this a lot recently with like some of the defenses that have recently become good without having like elite edge pressure. Like the Ravens were, made me start thinking about this for a little bit. The thing about buttering your bread on like edge rush, edge pressure, is that there's just a lot of ways to erase an edge. There really is. Like, if you dedicate resources to it offensively, they've figured out a lot of ways to do this. When it's misdirection, when it's motion, when you like, think about all the, the unblocked Michael Parsons stuff that the Cowboys had to deal with, right? Where it's like, okay, like, this guy's so good in the run. We're just not, 
We're just not going to run at him. We're going to run away from him, right? The Ravens, when they played Will Anderson and the Texans, all they just did was run away from Will Anderson, right? Just like, all right, we're just running to the other side. Like, we, you, you can just choose these things. And so when you when you look at this Niners team, and okay, like, uh, they, they, they had Eric Armstead, they had Nick Bosa, that was the core, and then they spent the money on Javon Hargrave. They really said, like, we're, we, we need to figure out the other defensive tackle spot. That was the issue for us against the Eagles in the NFC Championship game. That's where we're going to put our resources. They were banking on the idea that they could fill out the second edge spot with kind of rotational guys, and by, by, by teaching a guy up, letting him be aggressive off the, off the, off the line. They did this with Samson Ebukam right in the season past. They, that, they thought that's how they could get it done. So Randy Gregory, they bring him in. Chase Young, they bring him in. They haven't been successful getting that second edge on the floor. So now you can just go to the, you know, Andy Reid's got a, a, a binder of, of offensive ideas the size of a dictionary. You can just flip over to your, your be a good edge rusher tab, open it and say, all right, we're going to run all these at Nick. And the other guy can't punish us, right? That, that's, that's, that's a really challenging thing for the 49ers offense right now, or defense, excuse me. There's no way to solve that. There's no, there's no like, oh, well, like Chase play better, like Randy Gregory play better. Like that's, that's the way to solve it. And it's like, well, that, you're, bang, you're hoping for it, you know, get fired up, get emotions, you know, get energy, get, get a Super Bowl, you got to show up, but like you're holding your breath. You don't really think it's going to happen. Uh, schematically, you can't just decide to become a blitz team, right? This was the, the Eagles, Jonathan Gannon issue from last Super Bowl, where it's like, all right, they need to be able to blitz them, but they just haven't done it enough in the season to be good at it now. And so they don't, there's no way for the Niners to solve the issue that the Packers put on the field against them and the Lions put on the field against them, which is we can just want our reverses and our pin poles and our misdirections and our, we can do all of our, we beat your edge rusher stuff right at Nick and you can't put, you don't, you're not gonna put different fronts on the field because you guys don't do that. You're not gonna blitz because you guys don't do that and the other edge isn't gonna punish us. There's no real way around that. And so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident in, in Andy's ability to punish the, the 49ers lack of edge depth. I think he's gonna be able to pull that off. Yeah, I guess, I mean, what you would be looking at is if you're getting in third and long situations, if you can't run the ball, uh, now all of a sudden, Nick, but, but even then you can move the pocket, uh, you can help Juwan Taylor, you can do different things. But And I'm not saying, again, if I'm going to say bigger samples are better than smaller samples, Javon Hargrave had, I think, seven and a half. Like, he was doing stuff in the regular season. It's just the playoffs, he hasn't been as much of a factor. So maybe one of these other guys steps up. It's like you said, the more I look at and study that Niners defense, it's like, their plan A is that pass rush to win. Their plan B is that pass, pass rush, rush to win. win. Like they don't have other, and they're not going to turn. I'm not saying they do no disguise, but they're not going to confuse Patrick Mahomes here. They're not all of a sudden going to be blitzing, like you said, at a high rate. They're not going to be disguising stuff. So like it really just comes down to can their guys up front win at a high rate? And Mahomes is so, like, it's probably his most underrated skill, his ability to avoid sacks. I mean, I think it was second lowest or lowest in the NFL this season. The guy just does not take those negative plays. I mean, you, that play where they have have him by the arm and he throws it out of bounds with his left hand like the defense does everything right they chase him they get to him and it still doesn't matter oh you're just going up you didn't lose any yards and now you have to play another down against Patrick Mahomes and we saw Jared Goff was completing uh, third and longs against this defense so uh, very curious to see what this Niners defense looks like I mean you know again you you mentioned it and uh, I didn't jump fully on board with you last week just because there have been times this season where the Niners defense has looked good but man you look at all the numbers you look at the film everything from those last two playoff games and if you say that's the group that's showing up it's gonna it's gonna be really tough uh, for them to win so they need yeah. to find some answers really so, quickly. Uh, a quick Chalk Wars shout out Steven Ruiz and I did Chalk Wars which is a big written piece on the ringer where i Cosplayed as the Niners, Steven cosplays as the Chiefs and we just kind of talk through okay what are you going to try to do what am I going to try to do what are the responses uh 
every I did all the Niners defensive sections, and every time I was like, well, I'm going to try to get my four down rush to win, and that's it, right? Like, the Chiefs are going to go four strong. What are the Niners going to do? Play zone and try to win with four. Oh, the Chiefs are going to send, you know, play 13 personnel, put Kelsey in motion. What are they going to do? Play zone and have a four, four. That's yeah, what they do defensively, that's what right? They that, do. That, and and uh, Steven had this, which I thought was really uh, important from the piece, um, which I've lost and now i found. Uh, Mahomes takes a sack on 6.1% of his pressured dropbacks in the postseason. Okay? So on not on 94% of his dropbacks is Mahomes avoiding a sack. On 94% of his pressure dropback, there is pressure. That's astro- a 6% sack rate on a regular game is good for a quarterback. That's solid. That's what, just pressure dropbacks. The, the, the ability to avoid the negative play in the pocket from Mahomes is, is the number one like skill thing right now. It's the number one incredible thing. Like, oh, where are the Mahomes incredible plays down the field and the trick plays and the trick shots and everything. Like a lot of that, not so much there in this office. It wasn't seasons past. But if you're going to be an inch down the field offense, as they are, can't have negative plays. And Mahomes just decides in the pocket to never take a sack. Ludicrous. Yeah. Even regular season, I think that was 10%. And again, that was still first or second in the NFL with Josh Allen. All right, what do you got? What's your, you have a third take, right, still? Okay, yes. All right. Yeah, 100%. I don't know, I'm uh, confused. My third take is, this is a Kyle Shanahan legacy win, and he's got to win it. Uh, I didn't realize until I looked back at that, that Niners-Chiefs game, I had forgotten just how much the Niners should have won that game. The, the, the 2019 Super Bowl, right? Like in my head, I'm like, oh yeah, like Chiefs game winning drive, whatever. No, no, no. At their highest point by the ESPN win probability model, the Niners hit 95.6% win probability in that game. So in, in 96 out of 100 universes, Niners Super Bowl champion, Kyle Shanahan's 1-0 as a head coach. This, of course, chasing three years previous when the Falcons, offensive coordinated by Kyle Shanahan, hit 99.6% chance. Ooh. To win the 28-3 Super Bowl against the uh, uh, the Atlanta Falcons, or since the Patriots, excuse me. Uh, this this from Reddit. It was it was in 2019 after the the game. Uh, doing the math, the probability of Kyle Shanahan losing both his Super Bowls is roughly 0.0176 percent, or one in 5,682. Oh wow! And if if there were only 5,681 universes, Kyle Shanahan would have at least one Super Bowl ring. But there's 5,682, and he has zero. So there's there is a narrative about Kyle Shanahan the choker which I think is generally overblown I think it is too far but has some good kernels of truth in it right you and I have talked about Kyle Shanahan clock management and aggressiveness get points on the board even when you're leading right you know be, be able to be pass happy manage the clock there's I think points about right his general pass happiness versus run happiness that was a big part of, a part of the Falcons game that then obviously there were the stats oh the 0 and 31 when they're trailing in the fourth quarter and those are gone now right they've had their comebacks but in general I think like Okay, Kyle's a, sh- a choker. The offense isn't built for, for playing from behind. There's some good truth to that. It does generally get overblown. With that said, psychologically, right? And if you just think about the arc the Niners have taken, said we got here with Jimmy, and, and, and we realized over the course of the Jimmy arc that he wasn't going to be good enough for us in the postseason, right? Like this, there's always going to be a quarterback whose hand we have to hold. We've got to be a heavy play action team. You go under center, do all the little tricks to, to really assist this quarterback. We're going to aggressively pursue a quarterback who is a game changer for us, a quarterback who is a, an impact maker. And we're going to do so. We're going to trade multiple first round picks for Trey Lance. And they blew it. They blew it, right? Like and for, for a bunch of reasons, like bad pick, injuries, whatever. You can talk about all the stuff behind the Trey Lance pick, but it, it, it was a travesty. It did not work. And they fell bass backwards. I mean, they just locked into Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy, who like, we don't need to do a Brock Purdy conversation, is 
objectively a good enough quarterback to win a Super Bowl with. Is more than Jimmy was. Has the, some of the game changer stuff that they wanted Trey Lance to be over Jimmy. He can create outside of structure. He can throw the football down the field. He is aggressive. He will scramble. He has the things that they were looking for. They, they, they should have blown the Trey Lance pick and never gotten back here. It should have taken years to recover. And, 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 and then they shouldn't have had all oh, the Christian McCaffrey trade and like everything has gone so perfectly for them to end up back here. They should have had such a crippling error for a team to trade those picks that they traded for Lance and McCaffrey and then make it to the Super Bowl with not Lance. It's shocking that they pulled this off. So you you got the, the second life, right? You got like the Mario, you know, uh, uh, one plus one, right? You got to survive the, that, that, that crippling Lance blow. And now you're back here. If you don't win this, it starts to wear on you, man. Especially if you, if you lose it in devastating fashion. If you lose it in had a lead and then gave it away to Patrick Mahomes fashion. I mean, that just starts to sit on you. Jed York is the owner of the Niners, 0-2 in Super Bowls. All right? If he loses this, he's 0-3. 49ers championship town. This is a championship team. They do not like to lose Super Bowls. Right? It is... It, it, it's not like, oh, they have to make a change tomorrow. Oh, get a new quarterback in for Purdy. Oh, you know, fire Kyle Shannon. It's nothing like that. It's just the weight accumulates. I don't think people like who are general NFL fans realize how much like guys within the building just live with losses that hang on their heads, right? Like I'll, I'll never forget when I, I talked to a guy who works for the Bears, like not like a GM, not like a head coach, like a random dude who works for the Bears four years later about double doink. And like, it sounded like it was yesterday for him. And this is just a playoff game. These things live on these dudes' heads. And so if, if Kyle has to deal with the Atlanta loss, 99.6%, the Chiefs Super Bowl loss, 95.6%, and then has to do another loss. And this time while he's on his extra life, while he's on his Brock Purdy era, on his we're immortal, we're bulletproof, we're never going to die era. I just think, that's going to be really, really, really hard psychologically to overcome. Think about what Kyle looks like half the time. Just death in that man's eyes. Just like he's never slept. He's never thought about anything except winning this. There's a ton of pressure right now, particularly on Kyle, who has been the defining offensive voice of the last 10 years. He should, he, his impact on football is up there with the greats. He should have a career that indicates as such. He needs to get a ring. A lot of pressure on the young man approaching this week. I'm going back and forth on this one. I, I was with you, and then I was thinking, what? Like, okay, so let me let me play the uh, let me play the other side here. Start. I mean, like, this isn't. Yes, he has a second life because they got Purdy, but like, they continue to have that life. Like, they they're they're in the final four. I mean, every year, like, they're probably going to be continue to be one of the best teams in the NFC for what the next like three years at least, and then mm -hmm. who knows? You rebuild uh, challenges, but like, he's. Like he's shown an ability to adjust to his personnel. He's had a plan B. He's had a plan C. This was the best offense he's ever uh, coordinated, if not that that Falcons team with Matt Ryan. If you look at the numbers, if you believe that was one, then this is two. So like they are, I believe, going to have other opportunities. Having said that, yeah, like it is hard to get back here. You need, I mean, what were the odds that Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy, Trent Williams would all be healthy for a Super Bowl right. this year, like with some of those injury history. So yeah, you don't, this isn't promise. You don't get it every year. There'll be other quarterbacks, other teams who are stepping up next year. So I agree with you certainly uh, in that respect. And just listening to Kyle Shanahan, you're, you're right about coaches and the losses. Like Andy Reid was asked today and he's like, I could tell you every play of the two of the Super yeah. Bowls that I've lost. And Kyle Shanahan was there, it was just this little window into his mind. Like, I forget who, I think it was Connor Orr who asked the question. He was like, hey, I've talked to some of your former assistants and they say that like when they bring a play to you and they don't have like every single detail 
mm-hmm. buttoned up that you kind of like, you know. Rip into like, them. Yeah, rip into them. Why do you do that? And Shanahan's like, because that's what I, he's like, that's what I do to myself. When I install a play, I need to know how it works against this front, that front. I need to know how it works against every coverage. I need to know if we have the right personnel to be the first read, the right personnel uh, to have the second read, the right checks, the right adjustments. And he goes, I don't know what the exact quote was. It was something like, if I'm, if I'm going to torture myself about that, then I'm going to torture them. I'm like, all right, this is not like normal human behavior. This is a nice reminder that NFL head coaches are not well-adjusted people. This is a different one. And that's like what the guy is going, like that's every week. That's the OTAs. That's the summer. This stuff wears on you. Now he's a relatively young guy. I think he looks pretty young and spry here uh, in in Vegas. That's the thing that throws you is that like he walks around and looks like the most mellow dude. And then when he talks about like non-scheme stuff, like, you know, it's just like personnel stuff. Or just like, you know, what, like, uh, like, talk about Dan Quinn or Raheem Morris. Like, he, like, just comes off as, like, chill. And then the second you ask him about, like, hey, like, designing an offense, what's it like? He's like, it, it sounds like tantalus. He sounds Goes like Sisyphus. into a dark place. He's just, he's just, like, deranged. Like, being, dude, <laughs> yeah. like, why do you love, like, it, it's such an interesting relationship. Guys with this. I would encourage everybody who hasn't listened to The Play Callers, which is an athletic podcast that Jordan Rodriguez did, where, like, she, like, sat down with, with Shanahan and McVay and, and Mike McDaniel and Matt LaFleur. Talk, and they talked about like all those guys, but also like what it was like in Washington when Kyle was the OC and those right. guys were under him. It's nuts, dude. Like it's scary nuts the Everybody way that they scarred. treated one another. Yeah. And, and, and the level of intensity that they've all now reached because of the way that they came up, it's freaky, freaky stuff. All right. Yeah, he's, I mean, he, he's got a lot on the line. There's no doubt yeah. about it. Uh, I do want to say right there is uh, there are four coaches who have appeared in multiple Super Bowls and never won one. And it's John Fox, Dan Reeves, Marv Levy, 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 thank you, and Bud Grant, which good coaches, guys who are who are, are meaningful, impactful players. Like Dan Reeves in the in the Broncos ring, Mar, Marv Levy is in the the Bills Hall of Fame, like whatever. Shanahan has impacted football at a degree where it doesn't feel like he should be on that list, man. It feels like he should be on a list of a guy who has one, right? He he should be in that 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 particular group. So like when I look at the, those names, I think about Kyle's name joining that fifth group. I'm like, man. That would, it's not that it would suck. Those are good coaches. It just doesn't feel appropriate for the way that Shanahan's impacted the game. Yeah, my gut was Marv Levy's on another level from the, yeah. and like that's fine company for Shanahan to keep. So I'll, I, I would need to think about it more and uh, and again, refresh my memory a little bit more. But there you go. That's for you, Bill. Yeah, Bill's fans, I'm always in your corner. Come on, I'll stick up uh, for Marv, Marv, Marv Levy. That that was an innovative coach. All right, my extra point taken. Listen, I'm just going to a little, little uh, piece on the ticker here before we came on. I thought it was interesting, and All that's right. what I'm going with. So you know, what do you want from me? All right. Uh, I think the Cowboys could upgrade at defensive coordinator this oh? offseason. Wow. So, like, so you start the pod with Dan Quinn could be a good head coach, and you end the pod with the Cowboys are getting a better defensive coordinator <laughs> well, than Dan Well, I really Quinn. like one of the candidates. You so must I, really love that guy's head coach, whoever this candidate no, is. No, it's a different job, oh, as I right. remind you. Okay. Uh, so they are interviewing, uh, per Calvin Watkins of the Dallas Morning News, or have interviewed Ron Rivera, Mike Zimmer and Aiden Durday. Dord. I know he is. We've seen him on Hard Knocks. Their defensive line coach. Those are the three guys. Uh, you're excited interviewed. about Ron. I think you know. Who do you think is the guy I'm excited? <laughs> Mike Zimmer. Hundred <laughs> percent, Mike. I mean, Mike Zimmer would be a fantastic fit. I think if I'm a Cowboys fan, I'm saying go get. Mike Zimmer. Okay, there's nothing this man hasn't seen. He's what, what's your rule? Jack Jack Terrell. He's yeah, old. old. Yeah, older and Jack. And he's so ornery. I yeah. mean, he is he's, Mount he's Rushmore. He's yeah. so old. Yeah, I mean, he could just like 
And I think he, you know, he's probably a little bit refreshed now. He's had some time off. He's looked at all the offenses. He's looked at what defenses are doing. He's someone who I think could add different wrinkles, who could have this great sort of, I don't know if it would be, probably his final chapter uh, in the NFL, coming back for a Cowboys team that's competing for a Super Bowl. You know, him and Mike, Mark, Mike McCarthy got to know each other. Like, Mike yeah. McCarthy will know what he's getting into if he hires Mike Zimmer. Now, you might have a Buddy Ryan, Kelvin, Kevin Gilbride situation where there may be a point where Zimmer tries to punch Mike McCarthy, <laughs> but I'm team content, and that's okay with me. So, uh, Dan Quinn did an excellent job. He did not do an excellent job in those playoff losses. Again, that's a one-off, and... The Packers did a great offense, lit up the Niners too. So I don't want to just say it was Dan Quinn. It was not. But I feel like I would feel pretty good if I was Mike Zimmer, if I were a Cowboys fan and I had Mike Zimmer taking over for Dan Quinn and I had Mike Zimmer like in the playoffs coming up with game plans for some of the best offenses in the NFC. So I'm curious to see who gets hired there, but I have long been a fan of Mike Zimmer defensive mastermind, not necessarily Mike Zimmer head coach. Yeah, no, the, uh, right, the, I'm, I'm envisioning a Mike McCarthy into Mike Zimmer press conference when McCarthy is there like, you know, we're putting a lot of effort on the field. It's coming together. You know, we're getting better week over week. There's little stuff that we want to clean up, but, you know, we believe in our unit and what we're doing. And then Zimmer comes down and he's like, terrible effort. This is not a good enough team. You know, you Trayvon Dix yeah, can't play yeah, for yeah, me. We yeah. can't do this. Uh, and just the disparate <laughs> mess. They're going to have to make sure they get their notes on the same page, get their tone right. Uh, I love the idea of Zimmer back in the league as a DC. I want to see Zimmer back in the league as a DC, and I should have done for my take, Chip Kelly back in the league as an OC. That'd be really fun for me. Because uh, I think, like, Chip just is cool. But Zimmer is not just a really good DC who, like, the, the thing that Zimmer's always done is had excellent third down packages, well coached up, well schemed, like, like keyed in on, on, on protection rules, like like bespoke to every opponent, right? He's adjusting stuff game plan wise. Bespoke, is, drink. We love bespoke. It, it's a good, it means what it means. It's helpful. Anyway, uh, characteristic to every offense he faces, good, smart. Uh, but also like, I think the way that Zimmer likes to run defense is a little bit of where the pendulum is swinging right now. Where like, if you think about what Flores uh, did with the Vikings, certainly like insanely blitz heavy, but even think about McDonald and think about Spags and think about some of these teams that are saying, when we want to get pressure, we are going to send extra bodies. We're going to line guys up in line of scrimmage. We are going to uh, not just rely on a four down rush. Like that feels like that's going to be the thing du jour for the next couple of years is figuring out the ways to blitz these elite quarterbacks. And Zimmer's been a guy who's been able to do that for a decade plus. So to me, like Dan Quinn a little bit represents an older way of doing defense. And Zimmer, still old, represents more so the way the defense is heading. So, no, I would love Zimmer in Dallas. That'd be, in my opinion, a great hire. That would be fun. Yeah. Maybe it'll get done here in the next couple of days. All right. That will wrap it up for this episode of Extra Point Taken. Thank you to Ben Solak. Thank you to Christopher Sutton sitting right next to me producing. Nora and Steven are back tomorrow with Dual Threat. Solak and I make our Super Bowl picks, our props, our predictions on Thursday. And then we all will be together on Friday for a special show. So check that out. Uh, thanks to Eduardo Ocampo for the video production. I don't know if there's going to be video production uh, for this one or not, but in general, we love an Eduardo Ocampo. So he deserves the shout out. Anyway, additional production supervision by Connor Nevins and Arjuna Ramgopal, who's also sitting here. Thank you to everyone for listening. We will talk to you on Thursday. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. 
Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.